Let's pray. Lord God, we lift up to you the preaching of your word. May it be your word and not mine. Lord, may you be glorified in this time in our lives, Lord. We pray for all those who are at home and, and spending time with their moms. Lord, we pray that that is a blessed time and that their moms feel and are honored um, and that uh, you are honored in that time as well. Thanks for gathering us here in this place to worship you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise. Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. I love the words of that poem. There's a great... uh, choral anthem that that has those words it's set to it and the the words of this poem are attributed to saint patrick and just expressing a heart for jesus christ that that christ be at the forefront and center of all that he is all that he says all that he does that christ be seen and heard in his actions his words everything top to bottom all around him when people think of him that they would think of Christ. When people speak of him, they would speak of Christ. That Christ is the center of his life. It just expresses an understanding that we receive life and meaning in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. A desire and an understanding that we are of Christ, in Christ, and from Christ. The book of Philippians that we're going to start to open up today brings us before Jesus Christ uh, to see life and circumstances through our relationship with him, to find our hope and our joy in Jesus Christ, to strive to live as he did with humility, guarding one another and partnering together, to, to strive to live for Jesus Christ as we advance and defend the gospel message. Philippians was written about 60 AD while Paul was imprisoned, probably in Rome. And it is a letter of sublime peace written under extreme duress. Here he is in jail. He was imprisoned while others were out using the gospel for their own selfish gain and for Paul's demise to his detriment, and yet he famously says to live is Christ and to die, gain. This this letter is a wonderful perspective in Christ, a letter telling us of life seen through a relationship with Christ, a letter of seeming opposites, as death is seen as gain, as trials are seen as opportunities, as the treasures of this world are seen as rubbish. 
in this book, Paul defines for us the Christian life. Having a right perspective on life in this world, which helps us to have a right walk in this world. Having a Christ-centered perspective, which helps us to have a Christ-centered walk. Knowing that while we may be here for a time, our citizenship in all reality and all actuality is ultimately in heaven with our Savior. Our passage today will open up the book for us, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. And from it we are reminded that we are of Christ, in Christ, and from Christ. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Let's stand up for the reading of God's Word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The reading of God's Word. Go ahead and be seated. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, being of Christ. The word for servants here in the Greek is douloi, and that word means, you can put the word servants in there, but the, the word is closer to that of a bond servant or actually a slave. Not really just a servant at all, but a A slave. The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament had a great statement on this word. It said that the emphasis here is always on serving as a slave. Hence, we have a service which is not a matter of choice for the one who renders it, which he has to perform whether he likes it or not, because he is the subject as a slave to an alien will, to the will of of his owner. Now, we, we tend to, to have a problem with the word slave in America today. Now, we fought to get out from under the thumb of British rule, right? 200 years ago. We fought amongst ourselves to get rid of slavery. Let freedom ring, right? And Paul saw himself Timothy, he roped him right in there, and all those who believe on the name of Jesus Christ as slaves, those who are here to do the will of the one who owned them. According to Scripture, we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been redeemed by his sacrifice on the cross, 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 18 to 21 says, Know that you were ransomed. Ransomed. A a price was paid. From the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. We've been ransomed. 1 Corinthians 
chapter 6, verse 20. Very simply put, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There's more passages that go on to tell us that we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to the one who bought us, the one who paid the price for us. We are of Jesus Christ now. His servants. His slaves. And before we start crying out in disdain, I am the slave of no man, right? We need to to understand something about the theological reality around us. We are either slaves to sin or we are slaves to Jesus Christ. We are either slaves to unrighteousness or we are slaves to righteousness. Romans chapter 6, verses 16 to 23. Do you not know That if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient to the heart, obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. According to these passages, we are either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. It's, it's really only a question of which one we are willing to obey, which one we are going to obey. Sin which leads to death? Or are we going to obey God, our creator, Jesus Christ, the one who offers us eternal life? To be a slave is to know and operate under the will of the one who owns us. So we got to ask ourselves, in my daily life, when I get up in the morning, when I go about my day, whose will do I know and operate under? Is it my own will? Is it the will of someone else? Is it the will of God? Whose will do I know and operate under? It's pretty easy to know the will of sin. We're born in it. We have a sin nature in our flesh that leads us to temptation, that that makes us go to that self-focus pretty quickly. Every single day that we live in this flesh, it tempts us. 
We love to serve our selfishness, putting ourselves on the throne of our hearts, displacing God, and breaking that first commandment. As Christians, though, how much time do we take daily, regularly, in our lives to understand the will of our Savior? If we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to call ourselves of Christ, we had better know what his will is. If we're going to be slaves to righteousness and slaves to Jesus Christ, we need to know and operate under his will. How are we going to know his will? Unless we take the time to read it and understand it and meditate on it, and drive it into our lives, and drive it into our minds, and keep it there to where every situation we run into, we, a scripture comes to mind, and we know what God's will is in this situation, or in that situation, considering what it says, and how it should affect our lives, knowing it. Knowing God's will, knowing God's word, do we purposefully and intentionally choose then to serve him? It's one thing to know someone's will, and it's a whole other thing to actually do it. It's one thing when your mom walks in the room and says, go do the dishes, and then to actually go and do the dishes, right? Make your bed. (laughs) Do we purposefully, intentionally choose to serve him, to align our will, our life's actions, and our options with his? Every time life gives us an option, every time life gives us a choice, is it our first thought to consider how these choices fit with the will of God? A cheeseburger or a salad? Well, if I eat the cheeseburger, I could have a heart attack and die right now. If I have the salad, I might have the same strength that I need and have better health and serve the Lord for more days, right? How does even such a simple choice like that fall under the will of God for my life. Yeah, once in a while I need a cheeseburger just to make me happy, right? Do I go to work this morning or do I just stay in bed a little longer? I'm just tired. Well, if I go to work, can I be a witness of somebody who's been saved and whatever's come in my life, whatever it is that's making me tired, I can go there and I can show my coworkers. This is what it is to be a Christian. I keep going because I have a Savior, a great message to share. Let me pray with you. Speaking of sharing, do do we share Jesus Christ when that opportunity comes? We know for certain that is the will of God for us, don't we? To share the gospel message, to bear witness to who he is, right? We've been talking about that all the way through the book of Acts, and we're going to keep talking about it through the book of Acts what it's all about so when we're given that opportunity do we consider this is the will of god he's brought me this opportunity am i going to submit to his will and walk in it or am i going to revert back to myself and walk where i'm comfortable if we aren't serving him in our actions in our words and our choices if we don't consider regularly his will for our lives, then who are we serving? Who are we of? 
Paul says that he and Timothy are servants, are slaves of the one who owns them, the one who bought them by his blood, something eternal and infinite, not perishable, the blood of Jesus Christ. We who are of Christ are only so because we are found in Christ. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to be a saint? We, there, there's a false definition going around of what a saint is or sainthood. Do, do we have to perform at least two miracles and live lives of heroic virtue in order to be a saint? According to the Catholic definition of sainthood? Is sainthood only for those who are more goodly than the rest of us? Paul was applying this word saint here to everyone. Everyone at Philippi. That word saint means one who is sanctified or holy, set apart for the purposes of God. All the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Notice that it's not just the leadership who is the saints here at Philippi. It's all those at Philippi with the elders and the deacons. Not just some of the special members of the church or leaders. Everyone in the church who was a disciple of Jesus Christ was included in this statement. So what does it take to be a saint then? What what does it take to be made holy? To be in Christ Jesus, as he says to all the saints in Christ. Being in Christ is what makes us holy, isn't it? It's not being in the church building. It's not performing miracles. It's not doing more good deeds than bad deeds. It's not our own works because anything we could say and anything that we could have done in this life is going to be tainted by our own sinfulness, isn't it? We were born into it. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. To be a saint, we must be found with our faith, our trust, and our hope in Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus we receive a righteousness that is perfect, pure, and holy. A righteousness that is not our own. A righteousness that is imputed or given to us. 2 Corinthians five twenty one. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ freely imputed, given to us, not by any deed that we have done, but simply by the grace and mercy of God as we put our faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross in our place, he shouldered the price for our sin. The wages of sin is death. He died in our place. He died for us. And then he gave us his righteousness that we might be found in Jesus Christ. From this very book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's Jesus Christ who makes us holy. It is Jesus Christ, faith in him, his grace, his mercy that sets us apart, that makes us and defines us as saints. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you recognized your sinful condition before a holy God? Have you accepted Jesus' sacrifice in your place to pay the price of that sin? And have you asked him into your life, into your heart? If so, welcome all the saints of Alden Union Church. Those who have trusted in Jesus and hope in his name and righteousness are in Christ. Made righteous because of what he has done for us at the cross. Promised eternal life in his resurrection. Those who are in Christ are therefore of Christ. We are saints. Sanctified, holy, and set apart for the, for the will and work of Jesus Christ. Slaves to righteousness, desiring then to do the works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, seeking his will above our own. When we find ourselves in this place in and of Jesus Christ, we will then find ourselves receiving from Christ, from God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. If we know the lavish riches the lavish riches of God's grace in our lives through Jesus Christ, 
we will have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Our amount of peace, the depth of peace that we have in our lives, come what may, our comfort and our confidence as we live in this world comes from the depth of our comprehension of God's grace in our lives. The more we comprehend the grace of God, the more we meditate upon what we've received in Jesus Christ, the more we understand the, the depth of that forgiveness, and the more we apply that grace to our lives, the more peace we will have. The more we understand these ideas of imputed righteousness, propitiation, atonement, justification by faith, salvation in Christ alone, through faith alone, not by any works of our own, the more we realize the eternal and infinite debt of our sin from which we have been saved, the stronger our walk will be regardless of what the world throws at us. The more we understand that grace of God in our lives, the stronger our walk, the greater our peace will be. Because we will understand more and more just what the world can't take from us. And we will be able to discern more and more what the important stuff is from the not-so-important stuff. When we don't understand, when we don't grab hold of these ideas, these, these promises, we will flail around searching for hope the same way the world does. Grasping on to the same things they do that are bound to fail us. The, the toys that we look forward to that, that rust and moth destroy. The, the people and the relationships that we hold on to on this earth, and all those people who will eventually, no matter how perfect I am, I will hurt you. The people who wound us. We, we hold on and we look towards religion and, and coming to church on Sunday and this a list of imperfect works that upon examination just reminds us in the end of our inability to be good enough. When we don't comprehend the, the greatness of the assurance and the security of our salvation, that, that the value of that undeserved and unmerited grace of Jesus Christ, or our hope of eternal life in the very presence of God in paradise, when we, when we don't comprehend these valuable things, we will become easily lost in the trials and tribulations, the hardships of this life. We've got to grasp the grace and that peace that comes from God in Jesus Christ from our Lord. And let's thank God that he, he gives us grace and then he allows us and desires that we grow in that grace. The amount of grace you have right now isn't where it needs to end. But we are called, just as Peter exhorts his readers in 2 Peter 3.18, he says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We can grow in that grace that has been given us in Jesus Christ. 
And we need to seek to grow in grace, receiving the peace that it brings from Christ. As we realize that we are saints, holy and set apart in Christ. And then that knowledge drives us to be more and more of Christ. Submitting to his will for our lives. Because we know that is righteousness. What is the best and greatest for his glory is always going to be for our greatest good in Christ Jesus. As we seek his will above our own, living for him as he died for us. Let's strive to be people who are of Christ, in Christ, growing in that grace from Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that two simple verses can remind us of so much. We thank you, Lord, that you have bought us, you have redeemed us, you have purchased us, and that we belong to no other than the God of all creation, the one who knit us together, our Father, who sent His Son to be our Savior, who sent Your Spirit to be our Helper, who lives in us and gives us strength. Help us, Lord, to grasp the depths and the riches of Your grace in our lives, that we would walk in these things, that we would know these things, that we would grow in it. And Lord, as we grow in it, to pass it on. Give us strength to do these things. All in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.